Steve, if I could get you to put our mission statement back up on the screens, walls, whatever we have there. Things. Um, yeah, so Scott's yeah, very accurate in what he said. I, I think um, that there is something, a really, really good season that we're about to enter as a community. And I think it hinges around our mission statement. And we, we talk about being a diverse community of ordinary people, and if you'll skip down a few lines, with doing extraordinary deeds and words uh, as we represent the kingdom. And, you know, I don't know about you, but I, when I read this, uh, there's kind of a, uh, a bit, almost a disconnect for me. I, I read the first part, and I see ordinary people, and I think, oh yeah, I can identify with ordinary people. <laughs> I'm overwhelmed with my ordinariness on most days. But then I get down to extraordinary deeds and words, and, and I think about my days and how I spend my day and the way I interact with people that I'm working with, with my wife, with my kids. And, you know, as I kind of do a little review, I think, well, there wasn't a whole lot of extraordinary deeds or words in, in my day today. It was really ordinary. It was just kind of an ordinary day. And, but there's a part of me that would really, really like to be extraordinary, you know? And, and we see that in our kids, right? I mean, you don't see kids dreaming of being ordinary. <laughs> you know, it, it, my, I've got a five-year-old that's convinced she's going to be an Olympic gymnast. I don't have the heart to tell her there's no such thing as a five-foot-seven Olympic gymnast, at least not in this country. Uh, but she's convinced because she takes gymnastics, she will be in the Olympics. And, you know, there's, there's a little boy out there on the baseball field uh, playing Little League that's thinking, you know, I think I just kind of want to play through junior varsity at the high school level, and then I think I'm, I'm going to be good with it. Yeah, I'll, I'll be done about that time. They're all thinking, I'm going to play in the major leagues. I want to be a major league player. They, our kids, want they naturally want to be extraordinary. They dream of being astronauts and presidents and amazing musicians and playing at Carnegie Hall. And they, you know, they, just, they just think that that's what their world is going to be. They dream of being extraordinary. And somewhere along the way, we kind of get sidetracked from that. And we, we start to think, well, I guess I'm just kind of ordinary. And I'm going to settle for ordinary. And we get ordinary jobs and drive ordinary cars and live ordinary lives. But there's still that part of us that would really, really like to be extraordinary. Except we're kind of afraid to raise our hand because, Ooh. you know, I don't know. But there's that part, at least for me, maybe not for you, but there's that part of me that just says, yeah, I'm pretty ordinary, but man, I would like to be more than ordinary. So as we look at our mission statement, I think the, the, the question is, how do really ordinary people Go from being really ordinary to doing extraordinary deeds and saying extraordinary things to people. How do we make that shift? How do we go from ordinary to extraordinary? Or if you like, how to become a superhero, right? Because kids all want to put on a cape. Cape's optional. You don't have, they get caught on things. They're dangerous. But how do you, I mean, how do you go from ordinary to extraordinary and become a superhero? And we're going to look, uh, and we're going to continue in Acts at the end of Acts chapter 9 this morning. And we're going to look at, at Peter, because 
you know, if, if, if I were to ask you who were the superheroes of the New Testament, you know, there's a handful of names that you come up with real fast. And Peter's one of those names. And rightly so. Rightly so. But Peter didn't start out as a superhero. <laughs> Peter started out really, really ordinary. And I'll, uh, I'll read our, our passage this morning. And, you know, if you remember last week where we stopped was with Saul now becoming Paul, becoming part of the believers. He's following Jesus spends a little bit of time in Jerusalem and they're really not sure what to do with this guy yet, honestly. And so, and he doesn't fit in with the Jews anymore, with the, his old group. And the church in Jerusalem, they're like, we're not really sure what to do with you either. So they send him home for a while. In fact, it's about a 13-year homestay for him. But So he's gone now. Well, that's where we left him. He's up, went home to Tarsus, a few hundred miles away from Jerusalem. And it said that peace came over the Jerusalem church. And there was this time of peace and growing. And so we're in Acts chapter 9. Uh, I'm going to pick up with the last verse that we stopped with last week and then read through the end. So I'm going to start with verse 31 and we'll go all the way through the end if you're following along at home. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria enjoyed peace, being built up and going on in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Spirit, it continued to increase. So there's this kind of collective, ah, by all the churches, there was, the persecution had stopped. This was a good time. Now, as Peter was traveling through all those regions, he came down also to the saints who lived at Lydda. There he found a man named Aeneas, who had been bedridden eight years, for he was paralyzed. Peter said to him, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and make your bed. Immediately, he got up. Would you like your kids to do that tomorrow morning, first day of school? Get up and make your bed. And immediately, they get up and they make their bed. That would be a miraculous thing in our house. Uh, and all who lived at Lydda and Sharon saw him and they turned to the Lord. Well, that sounds extraordinary, doesn't it? Whole towns turn and start following Jesus because of Peter praying over Aeneas. That's pretty extraordinary. Now in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha, which translated in Greek is called Dorcas, which I'm sure in Greek sounds a whole lot better than it does in English. But anyway, that's her name. This woman was abounding with deeds of kindness and charity, which she continually did. Fairly extraordinary woman, yes? And it happened at that time that she fell sick and died. And when they had washed her body, they laid it in an upper room. Since Lydda was near Joppa, the disciples, having heard that Peter was there, sent two men imploring him, do not delay in coming to us. It's kind of a Hail Mary pass on their end, right? Well, Peter just healed that guy and I don't know let's see what happens come to us Peter so Peter arose and went with them when he arrived they brought him into the upper room and all the widows stood beside him weeping and showing all the tunics and garments that Dorcas used to make while she was with them but Peter sent them all out and knelt down and prayed and turning to the body he said Tabitha arise and she opened her eyes and when she saw Peter she sat up that's extraordinary. That doesn't happen every day. And he gave her his hand and raised her up. And calling the saints and widows, 
he presented her alive. It became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. And Peter stayed many days in Joppa with a tanner named Simon. So, yeah, so here's our superhero, Peter, right? And he's raising people off of their, their beds that they've been stuck in for eight years. He's raising the dead. These are extraordinary deeds. But let's not forget who Peter is. We see him in Acts, and we tend to think, Peter... But when you ask people from the Gospels, which of the disciples do you really identify with? Frequently, a lot of people will say Peter, because he's always putting his foot in his mouth. He acts before he thinks. You know, there's, he's, he's really identifiable in the Gospels. We can say, ooh, I know that guy, because that guy looks like me. And we can identify with him. With him. And then when we read Acts, we see, then we lose that. And we think, ah, oh, Peter. So... Peter was a really, really ordinary guy. He was a fisherman. That's real ordinary in that day and age. And he was, he was big-mouthed. You know, he was always talking out of turn, saying things he shouldn't say. I can relate to that. He, he was very impetuous. You know, he's the one that drew the sword in the garden. I'm going to defend Jesus and cuts off the servants here. And Jesus is like, oh my gosh, will you put that away? You know, you, you, do you not see what's going on here? And he, was, he was always very impetuous and big-mouthed, and, and he was just really, and he was very weak-willed, right? I mean, the hour that Jesus really needed somebody, really needed somebody. What's Peter do? Oh, I don't know the guy. I don't know him. He didn't have the stomach for it. So he's a really ordinary guy. And where we are in the story right here isn't all that far removed from that Peter. We're only about three years past that at this point. And so far, all Peter's really done since then is preach about three sermons and heal the guy on the steps of the temple. Now, when he preached, it was like Billy Graham, right? And thousands of people. Okay, all right, so that's, that's significant. That's extraordinary. But that's really about all he's done. Nobody's built a church and put his name on it yet, right? Nobody, there is not, you know, St. Peter's Cathedral anywhere. He's just Peter. And, and I have a feeling that at least some of the disciples are still looking around going, well, is it going to last or not? Is this for real or not? He's still pretty ordinary in the eyes of a lot of the guys. And so here's this time of peace that's come over the church. And I can see... This is speculation. This is not in the text. Feel free to discard this if you don't agree with me. But I can see this conversation between Peter and John at some point where they say, you know, there's this time of peace now. There's not this persecution. We should make a little trip and go encourage all the churches now that we can be a little more open and it's not as dangerous for us to travel. And so they're looking at each other and John says, well, Peter, why don't you go? You're always talking and saying stuff. You're better at that than I am, so you go. I don't think he's going because he was viewed as being extraordinary. I think he and John talked about it, and John's like, well, you're the one that can't shut up. Why don't you go? I don't know what to say to him. You go say something. And Peter said, well, okay, fine, I'll go. But what we do see in Peter's life at this point is that there's a pattern that's starting to shift. There's a pattern of his life that's starting to shift, and it's this pattern that I think is the key for us, from going to, from being very, very ordinary to doing extraordinary deeds and saying extraordinary words. And that pattern is this. He's just starting to say yes. 
He's just starting to say yes to the things that he hears Jesus calling him to do. That Peter in the Gospels, when Jesus would call him to do things, sometimes it was yes, sometimes it was no. And even after he said yes, one time, you remember, he gets out on the water, and he's like, uh-oh, what did I do that for? And then he starts to sink, and he starts to drown again. So you know, Peter's just going, yeah, I don't know. It seems a little scary, awkward. I'm not sure I want to do that. I can identify with that. That's pretty ordinary. <laughs> that sounds like me most of the time. But what we see with Peter in Acts is he's just starting to say, yes, okay, I'll do it. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know how this is going to work, but I'll do it. God says, Peter, pray over Aeneas. So he prayed over him. What do you think special? There was no magic formula to the prayer. It was just like we just prayed for Cindy and we just prayed for uh, <clears throat> Placidio down in, in Bolivia. Same kind of thing. He just prayed. Jesus, I don't know, show up, set things right, heal him. And he did because Peter just said, sure, I'll do that. And then the people from Joppa say, well, let's see if he can help us out with Dorcas. So they go to him. Peter says, sure, I'll go. Yeah, not sure what I'll do, but I'll go. And he gets there, and I think somewhere Jesus said, Peter, pray for her because I'm going to raise her from the dead. And Peter said, hmm, well, okay, that sounds extraordinary. And so Peter prays for her, just like we just prayed. No magic formula, no special words that you got to say. He just prayed for her. Do what you want to do, Jesus, show up. And she gets up from the dead. That was very extraordinary, from a very ordinary guy. And he's just starting to say yes. And I think that's the key for ordinary people to shift from being very ordinary, to start to do extraordinary deeds and say extraordinary words, is just listen to Jesus. As we're ordinary people following Jesus, that's the key. I can hear all kinds of stuff when I'm not following Jesus. I don't want to say yes to all of that. But when we're following Jesus and we hear him say, I want you to do this. And we just say yes and see what happens next. We don't, who knows? Sometimes it may be something really scary. Sometimes it may be something really mundane. But when we know Jesus is asking us to do something, what would happen if we just said, sure, I'll do it? And then we did it. <laughs> what would happen? What would our community begin to look like if we just said, yes, every time Jesus asks us to do something? Sure, I'll do it. What would we start to look like? I think we would become a community that was identified by extraordinary deeds and words. Because that's what God wants to do, right? That's the story of redemption, is that he's going to set everything right at some point, right? And in the meantime, he's in the process of setting things right, and he chooses to do that through you and me. And we tend to look at guys like Peter and, and John and, you know, pick the people through history that, that we revere as great people in the church as being something more than ordinary, because we're looking at them backwards. 
we look at them after all these extraordinary deeds and words followed around them. You know, Billy Graham, whatever. You know, you know Billy Graham was denied admittance into a church youth group because he was considered too worldly when he was a teenager. I mean, Ron, what, you know, some kid showing up to Young Life, and Ron's like, I don't think you're ready for us, pal. Not that Ron would do that, but that happened to Billy Graham. He was considered too worldly. He was a really ordinary guy. And he just started saying yes to Jesus. Let's just see what happens. I don't know. You go preach in Los Angeles for a few days? Okay. Wow. It was remarkable. We've got that happening in our community right now. We're starting. Katie, I'm going to pick on you right now. This is where I pick on you. So you mind coming up here real quick, Katie? All right. So is, uh, Katie organized us helping to paint down at Laurel Plaza, which is not by accident. She's been helping out at Laurel Plaza for, for quite a while. And I'm guessing at some point, Katie, you just felt like God said, Katie, I want you to help out over at Laurel Plaza. Is that right? And you just said, yeah, okay, I can help. I can do that. And so in that process, then I don't know how you, you met the, the pastor that was doing the Bible studies and the, uh, the, some of the um, retirement homes and so forth around here. But you got asked to help with, uh, help with these Bible studies, right? And so there's a pastor who goes around several different uh, retirement homes and leads Bible studies for, for the older people. And when he asked you, you just said, sure, I can do that. I can help. And then at some point, what else did he ask you to start doing? Well, before that, though, didn't you say you started leading some of the Bible studies? Study. Yeah. So it's like, well, okay, Katie, I want you to help lead some of them. Yeah. Okay. Sure. And now, can, can tell us just a little bit about the church service that you're yeah. starting? Um, we just started a new uh, church service at one of the homes, Green Senior Living. And it's um, once a month right now, but each time we bring in a different church to come preach and We've got this awesome gospel worship team that comes and just does some old hymnals that they can really relate to. And we've already had one service so far. It's just been amazing. But no, you're right. Like all along, I was listening to you talk about being an ordinary person, having you doing these extraordinary things. Like that's how exactly how I feel in every single process. Um, Ron, I remember you gave a sermon one time about. Um, you showed that video of the guy with the blindfold and um, just how he went forward. And that's kind of where it all got started to me. Like, we, we're, we're blinded, sort of. God tells us to go somewhere, and we, don't, we know that he's there. We know he's paved the road. He's already done it, and we just have to go. We just have to be his hands and feet. That's what we're here for. And that kind of prompted me in a lot of ways just to go, just to say yes and do things. And um, that's what I've done in, in all these things that have happened leading Bible studies and starting this church service and um, just opportunities I've had to pray with people. Um, it's just been, it's been incredible the way that God's used me. And I'm just, every single time I'm like, why me? What? I'm just so ordinary, you know, like, it's incredible. Um, I'll just tell you one story if Please. I can. Um, there was this man a couple days ago who I just went in his room to talk to and he was just, um, he's, he's 100 years old. I think he's about, I think he's like 101. And um, he, his name is Paul, and he's just really struggling lately. He's just, 
he was telling me in that room, he was just saying, like, I just feel like I'm in my last days, you know, and I'm really struggling. My arm is really weak and can't, um, he just, he was just saying he just felt really, really weak. And um, so I just asked him if I could pray with him. And he's really, really hard of hearing. And so literally I have to be, like, right here yelling in his face for him to hear me. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be difficult to pray with him because I know when I start praying, I get kind of winded and I just talk fast and I don't think about being clear and loud. And so I was just praying for all of his needs and just for the Lord to be with him. And afterwards I was done and I was kind of silent and I was wondering if he had heard anything or, um, if, you know, what, what actually processed. And it was just silent for a little while. And then all of a sudden he just starts praying back and he's just, reaffirming all the words that I just said and it it was just incredible to me because he was basically thanking the Lord for everything that I had just prayed prayed for him and it was just like to me it was saying that the the Lord opened his ears just for that moment and just heard heard the prayers and it it just I remember leaving that moment and um, just feeling like wow God you you've called me for your kingdom God and you were you were using me and I'm just I mean, I'm just an ordinary person, and I get to be a part of this. I get to be your hands and feet. You chose me to do this, and it was a really cool moment to experience. Great. <laughs> but, yeah. Thank you, Katie. Yeah. Yeah, thanks for sharing that story. So you never know what's going to happen when you just start saying yes. And I would guess that had, they, had that pastor approached you the first time and said, Katie, I want you to start a church service at retirement communities, you'd be going, uh, don't know about that. But you just start saying yes to what he asked you to do. And God used that yes to now, it, it, and it's one of the, the ministry to one of the most forgotten and neglected components of our society. It's incorporated. Did you hear that inviting other churches to be a part of that, bringing other churches? In, does this sound like the kingdom showing up? Yeah, I think that sounds pretty good. Just by saying yes. Yeah, the Dodsons are you know, ministering in Bolivia. Well, that didn't, that's not by accident that that happened, and it didn't happen all of a sudden. There was a successive series of, okay, yeah, yeah, sure, God, yes, yes. And I think, is it fair to say, Mike, Dorothy, that you're fairly ordinary people? Is that a fair statement for me to make? <gasps> yeah, ordinary people just saying yes to what Jesus asked them to do. So... Yes to the ridiculous, yes to the scary, yes to the mundane, yes to the big, yes to the small, just yes. Jesus, I'm here. I will say yes. When you say do this, I will just say yes, and I'm going to do it. What would happen if we started doing that here? What would happen? I think we might become known more for extraordinary deeds and words because you know then then currently when I try to explain to somebody the church that we worship at it boils down to at some point well we're in that funky building next to Dairy Queen on Landis Street oh right okay man I hate describing us that way you know I, mean, I don't want to be known for where we are I want to be known for what we do and and mind you it's not us doing it right I mean, we're ordinary people. Peter was still an ordinary guy. Peter didn't suddenly become extraordinary. Peter just said, sure, Jesus, if you want to heal this guy through me, I'll pray. 
Sure, Jesus, you want to raise Dorcas up through me? I'll pray. Peter didn't have, you know, there weren't sparks coming from Peter's fingertips. He just prayed. And Jesus worked through Peter. And the kingdom showed up. And life was restored to Dorcas. Just because Peter said, sure, I'll do it, Jesus. You want to do that through me? I'm your guy. I'll pray. Jesus wants to work through us the same way. He wants the kingdom to show up in New Braunfels through us, just like with Peter. No different. No different. Peter was nothing more special than us. He just started to say yes. And that's it. And then Jesus started to work through him. And then people started building churches and putting his name on the top of it. Okay, I don't care for that myself, but whatever. All right, so there you go. He just started to say yes, and Jesus worked through him, and the kingdom started showing up wherever Peter went. And we'll see that again all the way through Acts. That becomes Peter's testimony. Peter went from ordinary to extraordinary by saying yes. That's it. It's that simple. That's how you can become a superhero. You just say yes, Jesus, work through me. I want you to work through me, however you want to do that. So I'm going to listen to you, and then I'm going to say, yes, I'll do it. That can be a little bit intimidating, I understand. So I think we should maybe enlist our, our prayer team. So here's, here's what I want to do. And this is, you don't have to do this, but I want to send the slips of paper back around again. And, you know, if you would like, to, um, don't, don't send it around just yet, Dorothy. Hang on. Um, if, if you would like to move from ordinary to extraordinary, and if you want to just start saying yes to Jesus, then just take a slip of paper, write your name on it. That's all. Just put your name. And then I'll, we'll bring the basket back up. I'll set it up here, and then you can bring it, bring it up here and put it in the basket. And then our prayer team will just know that if they see a slip of paper that just has a name on it, that this is somebody that wants to just start saying yes to whatever Jesus asks them to do and to see the kingdom show up through their availability to Jesus. And they'll start praying for us. And they'll start supporting us in that effort. Because I don't know about you, but there's still a part of me that wants to hit a walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning in the World Series. You know? There's still that little kid in me that says, I want to do something extraordinary. I don't want to just be ordinary. But I am. I'm just an ordinary guy. And I know that apart from Jesus showing up and working through me, I'll always just be an ordinary guy. They can put it on my tombstone. He was an ordinary guy. Lived an ordinary life. But I think if Jesus gets to do what he wants to through me, I think my life might become extraordinary. And I think our lives can become extraordinary. I think our church can become extraordinary. I think our community can become extraordinary. Because it's the same God. Just like Scott was saying earlier. God's still God. He hasn't changed. He does extraordinary stuff through very ordinary people. Isn't that good news? We don't have to stay just being ordinary. We get to participate in the extraordinary. And all we got to do is say yes. We don't have to have theological training to do this. We don't have to have years of experience 
doing something else. All we have to do is say, sure, I'll do it, God. Yeah. So we'll send the basket around, slips of paper, take one out, put your name on it. Um, if we can bring the basket back up to, I'll set it up here on the table. And if, if you really feel like, you know what, I'm going to start saying yes, do that and then we'll just see what happens. I have no idea what's going to happen. I don't know. But let's just start saying yes as a community and see what Jesus wants to do through us. Who knows? Who knows? We may start a church in a retirement community. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? <clears throat> so I'm going to pray for us as the basket's going around. Take it. But, uh, and then afterwards, Scott and I will be available if somebody wants more prayer, like right now. Now's a good time to strike, right? Strike while the iron's hot. We can do that too. So, Jesus, man, we just thank you so much that you, you really do want to do extraordinary things through us because your kingdom is extraordinary and it's extravagant and it's beyond our wildest imagination. And you want that to show up right now because that's when things are, are right, is when your kingdom is here. And, man, we really want to be people that are known for that. That the extraordinary, extravagant nature of the kingdom of God is broadcast through, through this community right here. And so, Jesus, help us to just say yes to whatever you ask us to do. Even if it's scary, even if it doesn't seem significant, even if it seems more than we could ever do, whatever. Just give us the strength to say yes to what you want us to do and then work through us, work through us. Let your kingdom come, let your will be done right here at River City Vineyard, just as it is in heaven. Jesus, we love you, we thank you. And uh, yeah, just, we can't wait to hear from you. Amen.